What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the ABJ Podcast. This is episode 106. As my microphone and can't, oh, I'm sorry, my camera won't stop moving around on me. Uh, full disclosure once again, recording in the month of October, stockpiling all these episodes. So everything you're hearing now is a snapshot from the month of October. Um, you know, things are going on for me. I'm going to be taking some time away after the month of October, but you're going to keep seeing content from now till early to into 2024 um so hang with me and we will be back very soon when it comes to maybe a live aspect or a different style of the show altogether. just out here grinding trying to get my shit back together and having some fun while i do it um there's gonna be some other content that's gonna be you're gonna see still popping up and stuff we're doing i'm very excited for so you might hear some stuff that happened previously in the past or you might hear some um snapshots of things we're talking about and you're like but it doesn't make sense just give me the heads up now kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit everything's fake it's you know it's pro wrestling but uh oh i said the word uh <laughs> but uh jorge guapo is somebody who i i've got to uh know and i called him george for like six months because i was ribbing him i don't know if he ever caught on to it we'll find out but uh yeah so we uh, i met him at the sanctuary he is a young talent coming out of there uh Right now, that's pretty much all he's working. He has some made some appearances, first appearance somewhere else besides here, WXWC4. Um, but it's going to be a name you're going to see a lot. I, I feel like he has a really strong work ethic, and we're, he's going to be somebody in that group of people that you're going to be seeing snapshots of, or I touch back in every every year or every six to eight months just to kind of check in and see what he's doing. We get to call a lot of his matches at the Sanctuary, but uh, very, very upstart, very, very uh, promising um very excited to see what his future is but if you want to support myself uh links below uh grab some abj podcast merch uh if you do buy anything or support in any way take a screenshot of it and tell me uh tell me you bought a shirt or when you when it comes in take a picture of it all that stuff super dope and it helps bring the take the take the name out there and you you help put the name out there for the podcast as well as follow me on all social media as well as my guest uh support them and all their social medias um and I'm trying to think anything else that I want to put out. Uh, T Public has all the merchandise that you're going to look for if you want a certain logo or a certain design. All the other ones kind of just have a, a a base idea. Like Teespring has just like one or two different logos, but has more variety of different clothing options. Where T Public is just going to mostly be T-shirts and stuff like that, but it's going to have all of the logos on. But they always rotate, so keep an eye on the the, the thing the the other shirt sites to see what one pop up. Also on Pro Wrestling Tees and Brainbusters uh, Tees. Um, and if you listen to this, make sure you hit the like and subscribe as well as leave a five-star review. If you're listening to the audio on all your favorite podcasts or music apps, uh, take a screenshot of the episode and tell me what you thought of it and tag me on social media. And I, I will respond back to you and let you know, uh, well, first off, thank you for doing that. And, uh, we'll have a conversation about what you thought of the episode and maybe future questions you want to hear from Jorge. Um, without further ado, let's bring in my guest, the current as of October 18th, 2023, current spotlight champion at the sanctuary. Um, the one, the only Jorge Guapo. I'm waiting for streamers to fly in. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that. Uh, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to go to another place besides the sanctuary and you're going to hit the, hit the ring and you're not going to get a streamer and you're going to be like, Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I ran around and gave high fives to make up for it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so give a give give the audience a quick idea. I kind of gave you a little bit of a bio, but reiterate for us. Tell tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, I'm Jorge Wapo. I 
am a stunt fighter as of April 2023. I think it was April 24th. Whenever the stampede was, that was my first day walking into the sanctuary. And that was my first day debuting at the sanctuary. Um, I wrestled for a long time before that, uh, amateurly. I wrestled since I was 10 years old. I used to wrestle at Full Tilt was the first place I wrestled. And that was over on Vine Street. I thought I was going to go into a ring. I was excited. But I, my brother, he wrestled before me. He told me, no, it's not going to be like that. But I got there, and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't no WWE. But so it was, I was a, amateur style wrestling. I was excited though. I liked it, and I had a tough coach, and he wasn't letting anybody quit anyways. So it's not like I had a choice. But ever since then, I loved wrestling. I watched WWE way before that. But aside from that, I am a nurse's assistant, and I'm in school for nursing, and that's what I do on a day to day basis. And then nice. I'm not doing. I'm down in the sanctuary. So what, what, um, how long, when's your, when's your earliest memory of watching professional wrestling or becoming a fan of it? Um, I don't know if, so it was early in the morning. I think it was like a Tuesday, maybe an act 80 day, or maybe I didn't even, I wasn't even in school yet. I might've been like four years old. That might be the time spectrum. I remember it was probably Tuesday. They were rerunning SmackDown and my mom has it on. I think it was when SmackDown was on the CW, I believe. And it was JBL versus Rey Mysterio. And like, it was like a no DQ match. And I remember just Rey being busted open. And for some reason at the end, Bobby Lashley comes out, like coming to help, help Rey. And oh, their feud, I remember just seeing it go on. And I'm pretty sure that was the feud that he ended up retiring JBL, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And that was my earliest memory of watching wrestling. There you go. Uh, dating yourself a little bit, letting letting the audience know that you're you're a young boy. Uh, so was it always something that was in your head, like you know, this is what I want to do. This is something I I want to pursue. Because uh, the one thing I do bust we bust you about is you are definitely a professional wrestling super fan who is now early in his career, and you can smell it on you. You are you are the definition of a mark turned wrestler, but you're earning your stripes because you are super athletic. And you are passionate, but you are uh, coming in and learning how to conduct yourself as from a fan to now a talent, um, which which you're doing very well at. And and not many people have the support that they have as early on as you in your career. So you're hitting something that a lot of people don't experience right away. Like some people go and do their first five, six matches or even their first year and a half. And if they're lucky, they get like a parent or a friend to come support you. Um, but your family and friend group has been there in droves since the beginning, which is which is very exciting. And and walk me through mentally uh, how that motivates you. Is it is it something that uh, you rise to the occasion for it, or do you? Is it something that you're like, I I, I hope I don't go out there and mess up. Like, what's one of those people are you? I feel like it's, it's it's a mixture of both. Of course, like I want them there. I'm somebody who is. Uh... I, I don't know a good word for it. I would say maybe a little bit egotistical. I want people to see what I'm doing. I want people to be there. If you're in the business, you need to have an ego. So that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. See what I'm doing. But I would say it, it's like you want everybody there until they're there. And then it's like, oh, crap. Now that everybody is here, I better perform or else maybe they won't come back. So that mm -hmm. pressure. And 
that pressure has been there since since amateur. Like if I saw my father come, he didn't come to many, but if he was coming, I was like, oh boy, I better. <laughs> I hear him in the crowd screaming, and I'm like, oh, I'm nervous now. I'm yeah. It's one thing I will give a lot of respect to your fan base and everybody just because I don't want them to beat me up and love me, you know, that the, the Torres family hates me. Yeah, I, they say I say bad things about them on commentary. I don't think I'm that terrible. You know what I mean? Uh, they definitely don't like me. They're they are not team AVJ, but uh, I need so if I can get the Jorge Guapo support, I'm good. You know what I mean? If streamers come up a commentary, I'll be fine with it. But um, <laughs> the one thing I do enjoy about the fans at the sanctuary for the most part is they stick around. Uh, I, I, you see a lot of times on wrestling, uh, maybe the young guys coming in and everyone's excited for him to wrestle and or perform stunt fight, whatever the term may be at that point in time. And they wrestle one or two matches or the second or third match in they wrestle and the crowd leaves and it sucks. Cause then everybody else in the crowd's like, Oh, that'd be cool if they supported the entire show. But that's not the case for your family or even like the Torres family and the people who come to the sanctuary to support others. They give just as much energy to you as other talent in the ring. And they found their favorites of like yeah. a precious and, and a rocket and stuff like that. And that it makes the overall show more fun. Like it's just, it's, it's a, a, it's a, it's a great environment. And and I'm very thankful for them to come in as much as they do. And as big of a crowd as they do uh, and support, not just you, but the brand itself of sanctuary. Oh, I mean, I, I love that they come down, but I think if I wasn't wrestling, we found out about the sanctuary when I came down. Yeah. I knew about it. We would have been down there watching wrestling because we go to events as often as we can. Um, we got back into it like right after COVID. Once they started having people come back, we started watching again. Because I was watching on, I think it was when Disney had rights to WWE. I, during COVID and I was like watching through one of my friend's accounts and I was like watching all my old favorite feuds I would watch. I didn't get to see too much of Eddie and Ray's feud. I'd always see flashbacks of it. So I wanted to go watch that. I started to get into that and it was a rabbit hole. Now I'm going yeah. back all the feuds that I used to like. Now I'm starting to chime in to like what's going on in WWE today. And I share it with like my friends or my family. And I'm like, yo, look at this. This is crazy. They're like, they're, they're heating back up. Maybe it was just me feeling that way. But I, I thought, I'm like, oh, look, this this is starting to like get cool again. And then um, my mom, she always loved it. Her father, uh, he I don't know if you know who Moose Cholak is, but you know how everybody's grandfather has a story of hanging out with Andre the Giant. Yeah. So he said that he was hanging out with Andre the Giant and whatnot, like when they would be down in Chicago. And he'd always be watching wrestling on Saturdays and he'd be putting my mother in figure fours and whatnot. So he was like, my mom loved it from there. She passed it on to us. And a lot of my younger, well, a lot of the people that I invite, I'm selective with. Like I know if they sort of like wrestling or they at least liked it before, I invite them. So I feel like that's why they grasp to the sanctuary so hard because it's local. It's a bunch of good, good people down there. It's not like, what you would expect. I don't know what you would think to expect, but it's not what you would expect of, you know, that type of business, but everybody down there is so welcoming and it's entertaining to be down there. When yeah. I got to the stampede, I came and sat with my family and we were all so invested and excited. And I was more so like, I came right out just to be a fan right after the watch, the match that I was just in, I was interested. Yeah. It's uh, it. The independent scene in general is very, 
much like you have that personal access and small shows are a little smaller and you get to have that intimate uh, interaction at a show that you don't get to have when you go to the big shows like WWE. But I think the sanctuary takes that and turns it to 11 because there is only so many capacity seats in there and, and not many, and we are still growing that audience. So the fact that they come, like if you're someone who comes all the time, you're part of our family. Like you're part of our weekly tapings and, and we're very appreciative of that. And, 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 and we get to know you by name and we get to know you for a person and we get to feel like, Oh, like maybe I'm pulling back a little too much, but like when we make booking decisions, we're like, Oh, this is going to, People are going to react to this because we're playing to a smaller crowd as well. And and they're just as much part of the show, even if they're not aware of it, as the people that are performing. Um, and it is cool to see it grow and the community getting behind it. And it, it's and this season has been a big turning point for people watching online as well as people uh, supporting in person. Yeah, it, I definitely feel it when we are putting the matches together. You know, there's spots specifically around the sanctuary congregation it's like no we have to do this because you know they're gonna be here and i'm like of course yeah and I feel it every time so growing up and watching and watching it today who are some i know you kind of said some names like ray mysterio and stuff but who are some names that uh you attach yourself to or some people that you really you try to bring their style into your style and try to maybe pull from a little bit or some people you uh that in that that um motivates you to, to do this in this business well i cried when Shawn michaels was retired the i didn't get to see you know the heartbreak kid back in the day wwf like with his big title run and whatnot i got to see him when he was the first time i saw him was wrestlemania 22 in that match with vince when he, and they had that they had that crazy like uh, i think it was no disqualifications when oh it was great and their beef with the Spirit Squad. That's I, I love Shawn Michaels. Um, Seth Rollins is a big one right now because once I got back involved and in watching, I was like, "Holy crap, this guy is the Joker!" And I'm like, he, "He's great." And I don't—he's my favorite wrestler right now. But I'm—I enjoy his babyface work, but I feel like it's a bit like doesn't suit him as well. I feel like he needs a little bit more heel in it, a little bit more dirt, but. And I would say if I had to put one more on that list, uh, it depends when we're talking. Well, I would say two, two more. I put Randy and Roman Reigns, Randy and Roman Reigns. When you first walked in to the sanctuary, I looked at you. I was like, yo, this is, this dude looks, he has like a Santos Escobar feel to him. Like he, he has a good build to him. He has a great look. He's a handsome kid. Everything about him. I'm like, yo, this is like Santos Escobar. Like we just got us like, when the first day there, I was like, if if, if he can do 10% of what he looks like, we have a star here. Santos, I will say, before I went to the sanctuary, I fell in love with Santos. I was like, holy crap, who the hell is this guy? And now I'm studying him. Like right now is like, I'm waiting for his big push to say like that he's one of my favorites because it's not like reputable, I would say for WWE, NXT, he's the GOAT, he's, he's up there. Fantasma, he's great. His entrance, I would study it right before I did my first entrance. I was studying his entrances. Um, Santos, he, yeah, he's oh, he's what inspired me and made me think, like, I could go out and do that stuff, too. I kind of look like this guy. Like, exactly what you're saying is, like, was my mentality a little bit to help me go out there and put myself out there. I'm like, nah, these Mexican guys are doing it without a mask. These Mexican guys are doing it. And they can be, like, 
villains, but not like Alberto Del Rio. You don't have to be a rich cartel type of character to be yeah. a sort of villain. So that's what I wanted to be too. I didn't want to be a baby face. I wanted to be a villain, but <laughs> yeah. So it, it is tough to have you compare training because you are so new and, and you only really have that. The only thing you really know of is the sanctuary. But if someone who who's never trained to the sanctuary, never been to the sanctuary, what is training been like? Uh, and learning under people like Trotsky and 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 uh, Cowboy Billy Walker and um, J uh, S Hawthorne and Andre Polina. What is that? What is that group like? What is that environment like uh, from your perspective? So my first my first day there, Trotsky got into the ring with me and he tells me he's like, "Can you?" Well, we signed the waiver, but then I get into the ring and he's like, "Can you do a bump?" And I have my poncho on and I'm like, "All right, I'm the bump." I didn't know how to do it. He showed me quick. He had Vince show me. He goes, all right, take a bump. And then I take one with the poncho on. They, I see a little bit like a little head shakes and they're like, okay, maybe, you know, he'll be able to be within the ring today. And I think like I made 30 that night. Like we didn't have an extra person to come in. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure I made that stampede. But that was my first experience. And uh, that was, <laughs> they took care of me. They said, this is exactly what we have to do. We practiced it for like 30 minutes for a 30 second spot. So mm -hmm. they took me, they made sure that what I needed to do is what I got done. I would say, you know, Trotsky, he's in his, he's in a stage that he is very verbal with me. You know, he doesn't get too much into the ring with me, but he's very verbal with me. And he, give, he spends hours and hours and hours spreading his knowledge that he has so much of on me. And, you know, it's like, you know, you, I didn't know people like that were within Hazleton. And the fact that he is, I'm taking advantage of that opportunity of someone that I didn't know and such a useful source of information and just everything. Like he has guided me. He's watched all my matches with me after the fact. He's very attentive towards basically everything that I need to know and everything that I could fix. He's always there with me. Training with guys like J.S. Hawthorne and Andre Paulino. I mean, number one, they learn from Walker. I get to learn from Walker as well. And he's, he's hands-on in the, in the ring. And Very hands-on. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly the style that, like, you watch Ahmed and, like, PJ Savage and guys like that. And oh, it's like that realistic feel that, you know, you you feel it. And when you're in there with Walker, you feel it. When you see his facial expressions, you feel it. You feel it all. And that that type of, like, just, like, aura, when he's walking down into the ring, you feel it in the sanctuary. And that's something that is undeniable. And you have to, like want to learn from something like that. And I'm lucky enough to learn from somebody like that. And that's like everything about his character, everything about the way he works in the ring and how smooth it is. I, you're trying to watch that when he's working with guys like Palco too. I like the way that Palco has uh, helped me out while he has been there. He just came back in. I got at least like two or three tra trainings in with him. And, you know, he's been working with me nonstop and he has a hard work ethic. Yep, he has, he, he's up there. So like, being and he's him. not gonna bullshit you either. He's very, he's very like, uh -huh. like the face you see on Palco. That's Palco all the time. Like he's just like, hey, do that, don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's he's a smart kid. Uh -huh. He's he's very smart. And um, but at first, who it was really? It was me and Vince, like putting in like these trainings. Like I was getting in to the sanctuary. I was like, hey, do you have a key? Can we get into the sanctuary and train at this and this time? Like it'd be random. But any time that I asked, Vince Torres was like, yeah, come on. And that's how I was getting through these early matches that were with Vince Torres. And that's why it made sense. 
that I'm training with him and Precious and uh, the other guys in Honor Society. And that's where, like, I was able to get through my first couple matches and guys like Andre as well, especially this, these last couple of months, Andre has been very helpful with me. Like he's come to my house, watch my matches with me go to the sanctuary and train with me. And the same thing with like JS Hawthorne, ever since I've been at the sanctuary, he's been playing back my matches with me, coming into the ring with me, showing me the role, showing me the basics of everything and sharing stories with me of when he goes, because he's on the rise right now. It's not like he has much time to come over and teach us the things because he's busy. He has things to do and he's, he's over there. But when he comes back to the sanctuary, he's given us all that knowledge. He's telling us the experiences and, you know, he's getting excited within himself, like of how he's doing, because he's doing very well. And yeah. I love, love the whole congregate. I love everybody at the sanctuary, and it's just been a very welcoming experience. I don't know if everybody goes through this their like first six months, but I've had like the best first six months that I think anybody could have. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I don't really, I've never seen so much hands on when it comes to training and aspect. I've only really get to see that so much at the sanctuary because of the way things are done there. Um, it's helped me a lot. Like I, I, I went to one, a, a few training sessions and just kind of like played referee. And I just, just so I can be in there and see more from what you guys do in the ring so I can translate that to commentary and better myself. But, uh, it, like I said, but we're always very, uh, grateful of not just, like Trotsky and Walker, but we also, we take it back even further. We like, you know, who, like if you look at the, the bodies and the people that they have been working with and the people they have helped morph and hope help become who they are in the business and people who have walked through the doors of the sanctuary, we're very thankful for everyone who's ever walked through those doors, whoever walked in that ring and, and stunt fight it for that company and say like, we, we hold that standard of like, yeah, Colby Carino has been here. This is Ace Austin's building. This is Jamie Senegal's building. Anthony Bowens has been here for a stint. Like, we don't take that lightly. We say, like, these are names who have came in here, left their mark, left a piece of their energy within that wall, and we all channel it. We all look at that, like, 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 and it, and it doesn't have to be people who have been on TV, like the Trajans, the kit rafts, the, you know what I mean? Like if you've been in that building and you, you, you leave a part of yourself there and, and, and other people who've come in and they walk down that ramp, regardless if they've known, if they even know who has been here before us. And we're very boastful. Like we'll say like, yo, you, you know, who've been in here. Like, this is exciting for us. You know what I mean? Cause it's not a venue that travels. It stays where it is. It, it becomes, it, it, it's his own character. Like we say, the sanctuary congregation. The sanctuary is in itself its own part of the show. It's it's important to us. And like we, you feel it when you walk in. It, it, it does have a different vibe and feel than anywhere else you're going to work. The family over there. And it's not, it's, it's a welcoming, it's a welcoming family. That's what it is. Anybody can join that family, but you feel it when you're in there. There is a certain, I, I know what you mean. Like there's a certain seriousness about the product. At the same time, we have so much fun while we're there. It's all about having fun, but having fun in in an entertaining way. And to be entertaining, yeah. to be well thought out. And Trotsky, guys like you, Schultz and Walker are always behind that. And with those four guys behind the show, you know it's going to be well thought out. I well, listen. I even appreciate that I'm in the mix of all of those people because they I, I respect and love them uh, very much. I try my best. I I try to bring something. Maybe it's overstepping. I don't know. I'm still kind of navigating it. But 
I don't I don't want to just be the commentary guy. You know what I mean? Like I I want to be a, a leader of that place. I I try to conduct that like before every show, the intro music's playing, and I go through the back and I give everyone a dap. Hey, have a good show. Stay safe. Have fun. Love you. Let's let's have a great time. And I I hit up both sides of the locker room. I hit up the production team, and then I go up and I just vibe and I get in my zone. And then it's time. You know what I mean? Like I feel like everyone brings that part to the sanctuary. I think everyone. We have a good time, but when the when the lights go out and the, the music hits, we're we're there. We're in the zone, and we and we get the job done. And whether sixteen people watch it, or if a thousand people watch it, or if, if one day a million people watch it, we it does it do, that doesn't matter. We're there to make art, and it's it's for us at the end of the day. And if people like it, then awesome. Welcome to our art. Yeah, and I, I, I'm telling you, if I would have known about it sooner, I would have been down there because. I, I haven't even went back and watched, but from the stories that people do tell, like at the sanctuary, remember when this happened and you see their eyes light up and you see like the way people talk about certain things that happened or certain storylines that could create storylines now and the way people, the smirks that come up on their faces and they're like, this is great. And it's what matters to them. You could tell that it's like, it's not all inside jokes, but when there is inside jokes, it's just... You know, you feel the chemistry within everybody within those type of situations. You're like, oh, everything's easy going. You feel safe there, and that's what it's for, and that's what he's made it for, and that's what it is. Yeah. Now, you're still trying to find this yourself, um, but where does the name Jorge Guapo come from? Where did you pull this from? How did you create this? And what is your goal early on right now in your career to put, like, who is Jorge Guapo as a character, and how much of it is actually you as a person? Jorge Wapo is, I'm trying to find out what it means for stunt fighting, what it means for the sanctuary. To me, my friend, you know how people would call themselves Rico Suave, or he's like, oh, that guy's smooth. You call him Ricky Smooth, you call him Rico Suave. But I was like, oh, what would be like a cat? And this was like in eighth grade. I used to like try to rap battle people on the back of the sports bus, or I try to rap battle people at football games. And you can't go up as Jeremy Aquino. I'm not, I'm not going up. I, you have to have an alter ego. And that alter ego helps you write certain things or get into character. So when I was trying to go up and rap battle people who are like juniors in high school and I'm an eighth grade kid, I'm, I have to be Jorge Wapo when I go up. So <laughs> I, I just I just picked that name because it reminds me of something like Rico Suave. But I was just like, hmm, what's a cool name. And I just, I remember it like George, George Lopez. People always said my father looked like George Lopez. And I, I just always like correlated George Lopez. Like he's part of my family almost. So when I thought, Jorge, Jorge, and I know that I'm handsome. I, I'm a handsome dude. And that there's, there's stats to back it up. But the thing is I'm a handsome. <laughs> there's stats to back it up. The thing is, I just have to be when I come into the congregation, everybody, it's just, it's a thing. The thing was, the guys, they feel some sort of way when I'd walk through in eighth grade. When I walk into the locker room, everybody stopped talking about about what they were wearing and everything else because Jorge Wapo walked through. That's why I wish I was a heel because I, I could lead into it. It's more Plenty so of time left. Plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's more so like, Jeremy, I'm not, so, I'm not really that confident, but when I could make myself into a character, Jorge Wapo, he was like my confidence as I would like do certain things like rapping in front of a bunch of people and just freestyling it. it as a kid. It's like funny, but you still feel the pressure of it. So you try to go into like 
this alter ego. And that's the thing, like you kind of, it's kind of like a mask. It's like a luchador's mask. It's what they would like hide behind. So I guess that character was more so like my confidence in high school. I would go and I would try to lead student sections and like at the football games, I would paint my face all over. Ever since I was like in seventh grade till I was a senior, I'd love to go to student sections, be Jorge Wapo and get everybody involved. And that's what you see kind of at the sanctuary that reflects now. It's always been kind of, I wanted to be like a leader towards people into getting them happy and to getting them into a good mood. It was, it was always for entertainment. And, and I, I got to experience that with you very early on. So you came in, you did your first, your first rumble and you, you, you did your own, like it was only a couple seconds spot. Um, then you were leading into your next couple show. And around that time, that's when I, I really, really latched on myself with that younger crowd uh, at the sanctuary that the, you and the honor society, because you guys are all hungry. And I was like, all right, listen, like the, the balls in your court. Now the, the Andres and the JS Hawthorns, like they, 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 they did their time. Like they're, they're going to go on the road. They can't put as much as they wanted to as they, they and they still do. Like, I'm not saying they're not there. Jay, like Hawthorne is still there before everybody Andre's there and when he can right after work like dead tired um they're definitely not relinquishing that that role yet at the sanctuary but it's your guys time now as those new students and those new people to come in and and, and hold that down and you have been like with the social media and making graphics and putting posters up and flyering the town and the first thing I kind of really experienced with you guys is we went down for Cinco de Mayo and we went down to the down to downtown Hazleton and man, you you went down. We all had masks on, and we were all having a good time, and sunglasses, and we were all decked out. And people were like, "Who are these people?" Like we we stood out, and yeah. and you you just took to it. You were like in front of a crowd. You're like, "Yo, this is what I do." And you went up and you took the microphone from the band, and you cut a promo in Spanish, and you you said, to "Everyone, like, come to the sanctuary, and here's what we're doing." And I was like, "This kid, that's like, there's no shyness if there's a large like you you thrive." with a bigger crowd like that's kind of where you are and i was like it, it impressed me it definitely impressed me if if we're talking origin stories and whatnot it's definitely like from sports from when i'm a kid in sports i, I was a decent wrestler but the thing was i was always worried about the crowd i was always worried about doing a big move for the crowd and i would i would fuck myself sometimes i don't know if i'm a lot no you can curse yeah you're a showman Real bad sometimes because, and like, if you go and talk to my coaches and I had great coaches back in high school and I worked with a great team and they would always tell me the same thing. It's like, stop trying to do the flashy stuff. Like, because it's not getting you anywhere. You're losing points. But I was there for the crowd. I was there for a big highlight reel move that I could post on my Instagram and like talk about. But the thing was like, when it came to very serious matches where we had to get down and get to it, it was my fires and carry. I'm in a tie up and I'm trying to work on top. I'm not, trying to do anything flashy. But it, it took a lot of maturity because that's the only reason I ever wanted to wrestle was to be entertaining. The only reason I ever wanted to do any sports is to be entertaining, be on those highlight reels that you would watch on YouTube as a kid. That's all I watched as a kid was like highlight reels. And I was like, oh, I want a moment. Everybody wants a moment. And I guess more so like that's where that comes from. Like my attachment to like get onto the moment. Everybody's watching you. It's like because of that. It's because, okay, this is the time that maybe everybody is looking and that I could have that moment. It's all about like entertaining. And that's also like what I do at work too. What I do at work, it's two, yes, 
it's because I love taking care of people, but it's because I want to be the best person to take care of you. If this is a high pressure situation where it's like you need somebody to lean on, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to, and I'm going to be the best person for it. That's like that, that work ethic for it. And it's with whatever it's, it could be anywhere from being a nurse's assistant to being in front of a bunch of people, having, having a good freaking match. We're beating the hell out of each other. It was all, and, and, yeah, I think you just gave me I think you just gave me a character arc for you that I'm going to lean on in commentary is is you live or die by the sort of entertainment whether oh, yeah. if you're going to lose a match it's because you're going to try to do something flashy and you're going to try to showboat a little bit but you're oh. going to try not so much showboat but you're giving people their money's worth and it uh-huh. may or may not cost you the match or not like I think that's a cool dynamic to your character that you know, you're, yeah <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like your, your coaches may hate it and your fan base may hate it but if it's it's kind of like the uh the showtime kick for Anthony Pettis. If it lands, you're a hero. If you mess it up, you look like an idiot. You know what I mean? And I think that would be a good character trait for you as a as a as their stunt fighter is like you may make a mistake and get a roll up and lose a match, but at the end of the day, you 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 tried something you maybe you should or shouldn't have. But the second you do land something cool, people are gonna be like, That's why we love them. You know what I mean? That's what it is. And that's what made people, you know, yeah, I, I always watch my matches back and you hear the crowd like, Russell Smart, Jeremy, Jeremy Russell Smart here. But then I would do some funky stuff. There, ben Askren created the funk and I loved yep. it. It was a dive at an ankle. Instead of sprawling and actually defending, you would let the guy get your leg. Let him get so deep in on your leg, he's going to take you down. And then you grab his ankle and you roll and it looks flashy and you put him on his back and the whole crowd, there you get a pop. I didn't know that I lived for a pop my whole life, but that's what it was. And <laughs> that, that's what I lived for. I remember there was this like one time that I per, I was doing wrestling before I got into stunt fighting. And that was, we were wrestling at Penn State Altoona and it was a big tournament. It was probably like 32 teams. 32 teams brought 16 weight classes apiece. And they're from guys from Virginia and New York and whatever. And Penn State Altoona's gym is, oh, it's gorgeous. They have like a Megatron, like or a Jumbotron. And they have like, it's just a bunch of seats. These seats were filled up. There's probably like, probably like, I would say like 2,000 people. And like, no joke, there's 2,000 people to watch the finals of this wrestling tournament. Because it's a big freaking, I think it was called the Sheets Holiday Classic. That's what it was. And I got out early on. I don't think I placed at that tournament. I was fucking around and I, I was trying to do big moves. I got out. I, I went to, to and out. But I remember another kid went to and out. And uh, they have one. when In wrestling tournaments, they start out with the whole gym filled up with mats. It's like eight mats and then a bunch of wrestling going on, whistles all over. It's very confusing. You have to lock in like mentally. It, it's like a the best way I can describe it because I, I I got I was getting into watching amateur wrestling because it's a very fun sport to watch and I got into it more because I was becoming an MMA fan and I was like man all, MMA's base is uh, mat wrestling so I wanted to learn it but it reminds me of like if you watch poker on TV the World Series of Poker there's a hundred tables and then as more people get eliminated it go it comes down to the final table and all those other tables don't matter anymore and now all eyes are on that one. Oh yeah, and that and that's where like that entertainment style comes in. Like as much as it's like amateur wrestling, when you come down and it's like a parade of champions and they're announcing your record, your age, like what you have done in the past, like it's it's crazy. And they have the spotlight following you down. You come walk up, you're waiting in the center of the mat, they announce the other kid, you both shake hands and you run. 
And the next time you see each other is when you shake hands to wrestle. So it's right now it's like warmups and we're like the kids are warming up and whatnot. They're getting ready for the parade of champions. Everybody's in the bleachers and there's a couple kids on the mat. And uh, I don't know why, but we did me and my friends start we, little test of strength. We get in test of strength. We're rolling around and we're just doing stuff like that. We've seen on TV before, before we know it, everybody like clears out and it's just me and him in the ring. And we're like, Oh shit. So I don't know. I think uh, I'd like quick, give him a kick to the stomach. I hoist him up. I sit out power bomb him. And I, and I hear the whole crowd. There's so many people. One, two, I'm looking over. I think my coach is going to be pissed. And I see him. He's going one, two. And I'm like, Oh shit. And I'm sitting there. The kid kicks out. And I'm like, Oh, I stand up, some kid comes running all the way down from the bleachers. He gives me an RKO. Bang, I find this perfect time to run and I left. And they eventually end up getting yelled at. Like, they're like, all right, guys, calm down. But for that moment, and for that falsy, for that false finish, I, I felt it. And I knew, like, from then on, I'm like, oh, I wish I could try this shit. And my coaches always did tell me, if you would practice as much as you would fuck around doing that WWE stuff, you would be half decent. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so how, how did you find the sanctuary? Like, how did you stumble across it? How did you find out that it existed? Um, so being a nurse's aide, um, I got my brother into being a nurse's aide, DJ Dito, who it, oh, he's taken over. He, but we'll get into that. But um, DJ Dito, he also works over uh, in Weatherly sometimes. So sometimes when you're working on the floor, some uh, a resident may have an appointment and that resident may need assistance on that appointment in case they got to, you know, do whatever at the appointment. So they'll say to any aide on the floor, they're like, hey, who wants to go on this appointment? And a lot of people are like, no, I don't want to go on an appointment. I don't want to be stuck. I came to work, whatever. Going on an appointment isn't too bad. You get to ride in the van. You get to talk to the resident. So my brother's like, I'll go on the appointment. And uh, I was actually looking around at a lot of schools. I was going to a couple events nearby Hazleton, like things that used to be in Hazleton and whatnot. I'm going to see them in different places. And so my brother brings that up to the guy who's driving the van to go to the appointment. And the guy goes, why are you going all the way up over here? Why are you going all the way up over there? You said you live in Hazleton. Why don't you go down to the sanctuary? And he goes, the what? And he's like, I used to wrestle there. I, I used to be over here and over. I don't, I don't remember exactly where he said he used to wrestle before the sanctuary. He goes, but I wrestled at the sanctuary. He goes, take your brother down to that place. See what's going on. He's like, I'm pretty you know sure. his name? <sighs> no. And that's the thing that like is so, oh, it gets us so upset because I brought it up to people at the sanctuary and everybody says that, you know his name? And I'm like, we're trying to find him. We're waiting to go on another appointment to find this guy. But yeah. Oh, so Dude, that's the like word of mouth is so important to everything. If you're an like, artist or you're making stuff, man, word of mouth is what to get like, Kind of the pullback. This is recorded in October. I just had the coolest word of mouth experience the other day. Like Brian Cage of AEW seen one of my podcast clips, video recorded it on his phone and put it on his Twitter. Oh, and it cool. has 41,000 views. And Sean Ross Sapp, who's like the dirt sheet king, retweeted it. Like yeah, just word of mouth. It just, it can change someone's life. Like, on social media, showing up to an event, just saying someone like, yo, I went there the other day that was cool. You can change the dynamic of a building. And I mean, that guy 
telling you about it and then you showing up and then bringing your family has changed the sanctuary this season. Like one word of mouth. Spawned, <laughs> one, yeah. It's, it's crazy. One appointment. <laughs> Somebody who needed to go on an appointment. It was the reason yeah. that I ended. And it's, it's crazy. It was perfect timing. I came like, it was literally three days before the stampede that I heard about it. And then I, I texted and I, I kept blowing them up and I kept getting the, like the automated responses from the sanctuaries, like Facebook page. And I'm like, come on, dude. I, I you know, I want to get down there. Finally, Trotsky got back to me. He was like, I was like writing paragraphs. I'm telling him I'm, I used to be an amateur wrestler. I'm getting back into it through COVID. I was marking it up. I was like, please <laughs> let me come wrestle because everybody else was, I don't know. They were too far or there was a lot of people I texted beforehand and they told me like, find a school and then come talk to us. Cause I was texting promotions and people that I saw like were putting on shows and nobody wanted to find me a train or help me even find a trainer. And the sanctuary took me in with open arms. And that's why like a big reason that I'm loyal to the sanctuary. And before I do go anywhere else, it's always like an okay from what's going on at home. Cause that's home base. And that that's where I feel comfortable right now. And Aside from all that, that's where all my friends are. Like mm-hmm. I was before, but it, it's fun to put on shows with your friends. I, it's a, yeah. I, it's pressure, but it's a good time. It's fun. Yeah, I listen, man. I think you have a super bright future, and I think you're insanely talented. But I'm going to be the first one to tell you, and 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 I'll, and I'll tell it to people like Andre and and JS Hawthorne and everything out there. Find other schools. Go and make those connections. Go and get those training sessions. Like, like you're young. And if you have a day that you can go and there's not a booking at the sanctuary, go to a three legacy show, go to catch point, go to worldwide dojo. Like you're making these connections because here's like the thing. Just recently we had a few people from catch point show up. We've had people from worldwide dojo show up. We've had people from uh create a pro show up. You know what I mean? Like monster factory show up. We've had people who come, Make those connections. Find out through them, hey, can I come up for a day and train, like a day training? Can I just come up and support a show and and work ring crew or do whatever I got to do? Get your name out there. Start finding people. Start, you know what I mean? Like, And that's the thing, too, is like Hawthorne's going out there and doing that. But then people are like, yo, where did you get so goddamn good? And like, where did you train? And he goes, sanctuary. And then people come to the sanctuary because we sell it like, hey, first Fridays, Bro, anyone can show up, and if there's something you want to work on or there's a match you always wanted but you can't get anywhere else, come on a first Friday and let's get it in and let's have some fun. And it's th- and it spawns that. Come on a first Friday. If there's a title you ever wanted, come on a first Friday because I'll, get, I'll be no, – Get but, that Mummers title. Get that Mummers title. What, what's a Mummer? Like, uh, oh, you don't know what Mummers are. So, all right. So, uh, I want to do this on the fly. Uh, so the the mummers are they're like a marching band uh, thing out of like the filler the Philly area and they're very they look like peacocks man they wear these giant outfits and they 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 wear all these crazy extravagant clothing and they play black brass instruments and and they it's it's I'm not gonna go through the whole history of the mummers here uh, everyone you gotta go do your own research but they're it's kind of a mix between like. It honestly, it looks like Mexican culture meets Mardi Gras meets like all of this, but it's it's like they're downtown. They used to do it locally here, but they're uh they're just like these really really flashy um performers who go out and like dance and parades and everything like that. I'll pull it up now. 
but they're they're very known and famous for uh when the during the Super Bowl Jason Kelsey uh won uh when they won the Super Bowl he wore a mummer's outfit when he did his Super Bowl speech so like this is what he wore Oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then this is this is also like another mummers thing, but like they look like Aztecs. You know what I mean? Like, it's a cool little history to learn about, but it's a thing that they do in Philly all the time. But that's well, what you're doing. Fact, um, me and Trotsky went up to me, Trotsky and Vince. We went up to a little uh, the Mexican event over the Mexican Independence Day event over at Community Park in Hazleton, and they had if those are mummers, then they had mummers over there, and. Trotsky was like, you need to get that like as gear, like you need that as gear to come out. So that was basically like my first like incorporation of that kind of gear. It was like the feathers that like that was yeah. the base idea for the title. When so, I so it. when oh. it comes to your heritage and and it is very important to you and as also your character, uh, w w what do you lean on when it comes to that? Because I, I, I don't want to assume but you you also come from like a biracial family as well um my mother's puerto rican but she was born in chicago um both of her parents were born in puerto rico and my father he was born in mexico and lived in mexico up until he was about 21 i believe and that's when he came up to new york and basically i don't remember anything from new york all my cultural background comes from playing soccer at the community park um working at certain places that the Mexican population is a little bit higher. It was more so like just being with kids in school and learning about my heritage, being friends with my other Mexican friends is basically where I get my heritage from because other than my father being Mexican, I don't have any family out here. I don't have any, like nobody. We are the only, like from my mom's side and my dad's side, there is no cousins within like, a hundred mile radius. It is just us. So it was my dad basically playing his music, taking us to certain like soccer events or Mexican restaurants or just other Mexican friends when we go over to a cookout or something. That's where it all comes from. But I've never been to Mexico. I've never been to Puerto Rico. It's <laughs> I've been to Chicago and I've been to New York and that's where I go to see my family. But yeah. other you know who you should hit up? Um, she, she's someone I've been friends with for a very long time. I, I, I think I kind of introduced you a little bit to her at, at that, that event in Cinco de Mayo. She's, she's Mexican, uh, descent, uh, and she's a, she's a rapper. Her name is Miss Lily. She, she's very, very good. She actually was like on like a Americans got talent, but like the Me a Mexican version of it. And she went very far, like reach out to her and see if she has a song that like you can vibe to and like. Yeah, you think she bring in the local Mexican culture into your intro's music and use her like she's super dope. Like I'm a good friend of her. It'll survival. Yeah. She'd sing Somebody a song. Should... Oh. Yeah, she's she's so talented that it's something we can maybe look at in the future for you. I've been I that's what I've been trying to incorporate. I've been waiting for like a first Friday or something just to like bring some of the local like I said, Gerardo uh DJ Dito, he started out doing podcasts in the, in our garage literally like a block from here he he started out doing doing podcasts there and he would just do uh rap local rappers in hazelton wilkes fair williamsport he was just getting them to come up and he was putting on a whole a whole like he would call it any pa fest he would go up in the strand rent it out and have like 10 12 rappers perform back to back to back and 
I wanted to just like incorporate that to the sanctuary where those Let's do it. come to the sanctuary and walk out each one of the performers with their own song. And it's a way to promote them. It's a way to promote us. It's a way to promote Dito. It's a way to promote ABJ. It's a way to promote Guapo. It's everybody. Everybody wins. That's what. That's the beautiful thing, man. I remember when when you guys first came in, he was like, I don't really want to do the wrestling thing, but this is what I like to do. And I was like, there's a spot for that here, man. Like interview talent. Like just because I do it doesn't mean you can't like use that on your platform. Get get the name out there. I'm not trying to be the only one talking to independent wrestlers. The more people that can do it and get that name out there. That's that's beautiful. Um, I can't wait to have him on this podcast soon. I'm I'm gonna have him on and some and 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 if that opens up the door for me to interview more rappers in the Northeast scene and more musicians, I'm down for that. You know what I mean? Like I lean on the wrestling side of things, but I'm I'm open for anybody. This is not a closed set. This is not closed for just independent wrestling. Like I I want to experience everybody. You know? Have you uh have you seen his little interviews that he does outside of local bars and whatnot? Yeah. So he wants to do those like post-match interview, like right outside the sanctuary. And I feel yeah. like I was getting posted on there. He has 33, I think 0.6 as of right now, followers on Instagram. And they're all local because not local, like right here, but all Pennsylvania pretty much. So yeah. that would be, that would be gas. That would be very, very yeah, I recorded something with him recently. I'm waiting for it to air. I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes because he's like, he's seeing what's trending and he sees the trend. Like there's a, there's people out there who see trending stuff and just rip it. Right. But he sees trending stuff and says, how can I put my flavor to it? And I love that about him. And I think that's what makes him stand out. Yeah. Yeah. I promise you every single day. That's the thing about DJ Dito. And I, I, if he does get involved in wrestling, it means a lot for my character because he has a new idea how to get traction to his social media every single day. He has a new idea every single day. And whether it's recycling an old idea and putting his own little spin on it. And he, he calls me about these things. I have like 30-minute calls with him almost every single day about a new idea that, you know, he just has to get off his chest. He has to get off his mind because... He, he's flowing with ideas all the time. And this has been for almost three years straight that he has a new idea every day. Yeah. And that's, that's why, why he's getting so much traction. And that's like, that's something that all pro wrestlers can take from. It's like social media is a huge part of everything right now. And being, being big on social media is, it, it could mean bookings nonstop. If somebody sees the following that you have, they want to be posted on your Dude, one of the things that I, I might not get the credit for it, and I, you know what I mean, but it's one of the things I started bringing to the table when I first got into the wrestling scene. I was like, I took when I first got into like content and what I wanted to do when I started doing this. I, I essentially just said like, here's the five or six things I'm into, and I'm gonna lean into them, and I'm gonna try to get into those scenes and learn about the scenes and 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 learn from the independent up. And I started with the music scene. I can't play instruments. I can't sing. I can't rap. I can't dance, but I love music. So I started the independent music scene and I started interviewing bands. I like beer and then the craft beer scene, which is like independent beer. I started inter- interviewing beer people. And I and the more I started diving into these different cultures and different scenes and different ways of doing things, and then the wrestling thing started popping off. Yeah. I was taking what I was learning of how bands get booked and how they 
raise their stock and how to grow and how to get big on social media. And then I started looking how the craft beer scene did things. And then I was like, then I got into wrestling and I, and then I started learning that aspect and I started molding everything together and like, how can I stand out and be me and then take everything I learned from these different venues and avenues and put them together, but also be like, why couldn't there be wrestling at a brewery? Why can't a live band play before a show or after a show? And then the band brings in their people. They all love wrestling. Like every time you put beer and wrestling together and you have people who are not wrestling fans, but they go there to enjoy beer and then they see pro wrestling, they they mark out. They love it. They're like yeah. inhibitions are lower. They want to engage more. And it's just like I've always been putting it out there for since I started like there shouldn't be a reason why when you go to a beer fest, there can't be wrestling there. There's not a reason why when you go see wrestling, a band can't be playing right between the, if the 30 minutes that you're waiting while the crowd's coming in, be like, Hey, the show starts at seven, but at six o'clock, we're going to have a band do two or three songs, like a set or two and bring P and then you have that band bringing their audience. And then like, it just, it just, it intermingles everybody. And then you, you're, you're bringing in more local art and local talent and local people to one venue and it, everyone reaps the benefits of it. But we, we need to, we need to as a community throw something in Hazleton. I say 2024 that has music that has beer that has wrestling that has stunt fighting. Yeah. That anything a lot like i feel like all those people it, it is the same thing it's just doing something on your free time for entertainment and it's sharing your art and that could even be your art could be your personality and how you express yourself on your free time that that also is art just having a personality and being able to conduct a the the vibe in a certain room is art like and that's the same thing with music that's the same thing with I feel just being a person and being uh, it's, it's being a character, but everybody is their own character. Everybody is their own little. And whether you like to admit it or not, you're playing a character because if everybody did and said what they felt, it, it wouldn't be a pretty world, but <laughs> I get in trouble sometimes. <laughs> I'm not one to bite my tongue. You've learned. <laughs> yeah, I know, but the thing oh, is someone said someone's disrespecting my family. Yeah, let's go to war. <laughs> like that, my Italian Irish kicks in real quick. If you have to play a character then too, because as much as you know, yeah, maybe I don't want to be the antagonist or be like you said something. Come over here. Like you're not going to say that about my family. Then you have to play the mean, evil, freaking the Lion King, and that that's a character you have to play. I just too. don't know how much of my my character is what I'm here now and when I'm the bubbly side, or how much of it is when I'm angry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It depends on the audience. It depends yeah. on the rating of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So, Jorge, where can people find you on social media? I, this is a terrible question because we talked beforehand. You still have to build that up. So, as we just talked before, I just changed my Instagram to Jorge Wapo 570 Thank so you. Me there. Um, I will be coming out with a page on Facebook that would be labeled Jorge Wapo. I'm going to get that going. And yeah, I also Twitter. Uh, no, 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 you should definitely, when it comes to the independent wrestling scene, Twitter is a good place to be. I have a Twitter, but I, I get too vulgar on Twitter. I would have to make a new Twitter. Every Make a new Twitter. Yeah. Or hey, Guapo on Twitter. Whatever it is, the links will all be below when, when it's all made and said and done. You remember TBHs, how people used to post TBHs? Yeah. 
I used to do that on Twitter, but TBRs, the to be rudes. So I'd have okay. to make because I'll get canceled or something. Yeah, I'd probably. <laughs> yeah, old tweets we dug out of. Don't no one go look up his old Twitter account. Um, but man, thank you, thank you so much for this. I appreciate you so much. That you're very young in your career, and and the future is bright. Go out there and get that reps in, man. Go go reach out to the Ricardo Rodriguez. Like you, like literally within a three to four mile radius or three to four hour drive in from where you are right now in Hazleton. There, it, there is so much out there. Like you can hit up the Ricardo Rodriguez as you can hit a world famous CB catch point wrestling, create a pro in New York, Johnny rods up in New York. You, you know, go up there and get some reps in with Billy Walker. The, the world is your oyster in this Northeast pet wrestling scene and go, go get it. You know what I mean? And, 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 the more you go out there, don't think it's you're not being loyal to the sanctuary because the more you go out there and get your name, people are going to say, where did you get this base from? And you that's when you say the sanctuary and then be proud of that. You know what I mean? It's it's it being stuck in your 20 mile bubble is not going to help you grow. And especially, you know, you're looking at the world of Nick Wayne's and Billy Starks and and Jordan Oliver's. You don't have to wait till you're 20, 30, 40 years old to think you're you, you've you paid your dues. Go start paying them now. Thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it. I love having you be in the voice of my career, and I'm definitely going to get out there. So if you're watching this and you want Jorge Wapo on your show, you let me know because I'm here, baby. <laughs> Jorge Guapo, Rico Suave. He's got the stats to prove it. We'll see you guys next time on the ABJ podcast. Here is some music by the Converse Kid.